After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 107, the stanzas 1 and 12. Beloved congregation, brothers and sisters, Jonah, the prophet of the Lord, is about to go on a Mediterranean cruise, but not to go on a holiday. No, he's running away from his responsibilities. Instead of doing what God wants from him, he does his own thing. Rather than going to Nineveh, he books passage on a ship to Tarshish, and he expects smooth sailing all the way. He expects a favorable wind. Why do you think he is escaping? As you know from 2 Kings 14, verse 25, Jonah is a respected and established prophet. Why would he, in effect, resign as prophet of the Lord? Why does he not want to go to Nineveh, but instead go in the opposite direction, to a foreign country? What possessed him to walk away from it all? Does he really think that he can escape from God and his command? Does he not know what it says in Psalm 139, namely that you cannot escape the presence of God? Jonah should know better, shouldn't he? God is everywhere. However, apparently Jonah is so set on what he is about to do that he is in a sleep, in a slumber. He is intent on keeping on the same track that he has always been on, but it's the wrong track, and he needs to wake up. And that's a warning for him, for us too. Sometimes we're also so set in our ways that we are oblivious to the Lord's commands and his ways. And then we too need to be woken up to what he really wants from us. And that's what I want to preach to you about this morning. Summarize this text as follows. The Lord sends a storm to wake Jonah up from his deadly slumber. Look in the first place at being asleep, secondly being awake, and finally being a sacrifice. So then first, asleep. As I said, Jonah sets sail for Tarshish. It seems that the ship was not an exceptionally large one. It's only got a small crew. Since we do not read about any other passengers, it's most likely that Jonah was the only one on that ship as a passenger. And so it is surprising that the crew does not know Jonah's identity. You would think that since they were going to spend some time together, that they would mingle, that he would make some small talk where they are from, where they are going, etc. But none of that happens. Jonah wants to stay on his own. He, doesn't want to draw, he does not want to draw attention to himself, and he does not want to associate or mingle with the men. No doubt that the main reason for that is because Jonah does not consider these heathen men worthy of his attention. And instead he goes below decks and settles down for a nice little nap. Well, it's understandable. He's escaping. 
not always easy to talk to strangers, especially not if you don't think you have anything in common and if you have things to hide. Now, a lot of us are like that, aren't we? Strangers make us feel uncomfortable, especially if they're quite different from us, and we expect that they lead sinful, pagan lives. We look down on them. But by not engaging them, we always miss an opportunity to connect with them and to show them the ways of God. By not making a connection with others, you create the impression that, well, perhaps you think you're better than them. That they're not worthy of your attention. That perhaps you hold them in contempt. But as Christians, you and I, we may not conduct ourselves that way. God expects us to engage our neighbor and to be kind to him or to her. But we don't always do that, do we? That's a problem for me, too. Once I was on a ferry boat with a colleague of mine. And close to where we and our wives were sitting, there was a young man who looked like a drug addict. He had long hair, tattoos earrings. He was slovenly dressed. Nevertheless, my friendly colleague struck up a conversation with him. This young man was eager to talk, and it turned out to, that we had a good and friendly conversation with him. He shared some of his difficult background, and we shared with him that we were preachers, and a little bit of what that entailed. We made a connection. I learned a lesson in kindness and in having a non-judgmental attitude towards others. Let's face it. We are not any better or any more deserving of God's grace than anyone else. We may not look down on other people. For we're all sinful people. As David says in Psalm 14, verse 3, they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Think about how Jesus treated other people. If there is anybody that could look down on others, it was he. He was without sin. He was superior in every respect. Yet he treated sinners with kindness and respect and with love. You see, the problem with Jonah was that he had problems with sinners. The only thing is he didn't have any problem with himself. He did not see the depth of his own depravity. He was comfortable in his own sinful skin. He was asleep to his own sinfulness. He hated all foreigners because he thought that God did as well. And he especially hated the Ninevites and all the others that lived in the country of Assyria. Oh, sure, the Assyrians were a cruel people. You could compare them to modern-day nations such as the Iranian regime or the Taliban in Afghanistan or even ISIS. They were cruel. They had no mercy. They would do anything to keep power. They ruled with an iron fist and they wreaked havoc 
with any people or nation that stood in their way. Israel felt superior to this heathen nation and all the others. At this particular period in their time, Israel is prospering with secure borders, with everything going well. But the sad reality was that there was something seriously wrong with the spiritual condition of this nation. And that is why within 40 years of this prophecy, northern kingdom of Israel, all 10 tribes of them are sent into exile and they are absorbed into the heathen nations. Only a few of them, a hundred years or so later, returned. Most of them were given up to those nations. And the book of Jonah is given as one of the last warnings to Israel to repent from their sins, from their smug self-satisfaction, from their self-righteous attitude, as if they're better than anybody else, as if they are not in need of repentance. Oh, sure, Jonah is sent to Nineveh, the capital of the wicked Assyrians, to call for their repentance. But that message is ultimately meant for Israel. It's a last call. They have to wake up. The Lord does not want to leave Jonah, who is the representative of God's people Israel, in his blinded state of mind. Jonah's ordeal serves as a warning to all of God's people, those in Assyria, but also those in Israel. And so what does the Lord do? He sends Jonah a great wind, as the text says. The Lord is going to shake him out of his sleep, literally and figuratively. It is such a mighty tempest that the ship is threatening to break up. God makes his presence known to the, in the wind to Jonah, to that child of God who is trying to run away from his heavenly father. Brothers and sisters, that's how God deals with his covenant people. With you, with me, he sends a wind when we need to be woken up from our deadly sleep. In John 3, the Holy Spirit is compared to the wind. The wind is the breath of God. The wind blows wherever God wishes it to blow. And the wind can destroy life, but it can also give life. The Lord God uses the wind and he uses the Holy Spirit to wake us up so that we can be fully alive. Perhaps some of you are asleep right now, even though your eyes are open. Sleep to your sins, aimlessly walking on the wrong track. And you need to wake up. And that has to happen time and again, because often we are blind to our sins and we go on the wrong track. Me too. We have to let God's Holy Spirit search us, our hearts, to see if there's any wicked way in us, as it says in Psalm 139. Self-examination, constant self-examination, is an important part of being a Christian. 
And so let's ask ourselves, what are the sins that I am blind to right now? For example, is my heart full of envy and full of resentment or hatred towards others? Do I feel somewhat smug about the kind of person that I am? Am I able to see the faults of others, my children, my parents, my sister, my brother, some of the people in the church, my boss, but not my own faults? Are you blind and asleep to your own dire need for salvation? Is there a storm perhaps blowing all around you, but you do not realize that it is meant to bring you on your knees before God? For you see, the wind of God can take on many forms. It could be that you're having a rocky marriage or that you're having difficulty with your children or with your parents or with the church and you blame others. It could be that your finances are in shambles and you're afraid that you're about to lose everything. But you blame your problems on other people and on your specific circumstances without realizing that whatever wind the Lord God sent your way, that he does that to you and to me to shake us up, to bring us on our knees before him, and to have us repent from our sins, and to teach us in those situations to trust in him. The Lord wants to use these things to wake us up and to bring us to our senses. Our lives, think about it, are full of turmoil, even though we may have lots of good things going on, but we never know what's going to happen the next day. And lots of things can happen, and lots of things do happen. They do happen all over the world. And he wants us to constantly examine our lives in the light of God's word and his spirit. If you are about to lose your earthly possession, or if you are experiencing ill health, the Lord does these things to test us in our faith. Are you standing that test? Or are you asleep? Well, wake up. Experience the power of the Lord God and his Holy Spirit. See God's hands in all these things. Understand that whatever of adversity comes your way, that he wants to use it for our good. For God has a way of confronting us. Just like the Lord confronted Jonah with the great tempest. Jonah is sound asleep. He's dead to the world, spiritually and physically. He does not reckon with God, and so he is oblivious to the dangers around him. Isn't it amazing that Jonah is asleep throughout all this? Momentous things are happening all around him, yet he is completely unaware of it all. How could that be? The interesting is that as the storm continues, the Lord uses the pagan sailors to wake him up, not only from his physical sleep, but also his spiritual sleep. It's the second point. First, however, they call upon the gods Daniel, for these are heathen men. 
The people of that day believed in three kinds of gods. Personal gods whom one could worship in connection with individual concerns. Family gods worshipped by all the members of a clan. And national gods worshipped as the guardians and motivators of an entire nation. When the captain urges Jonah to call on his god, he presumes that Jonah, a stranger, is bound to have a different god from the others on board. And since Jonah was not one of their number, he might just prove to be the right god which this crisis called for. The Lord God, Yahweh in Hebrew, the maker of heaven and earth, now makes his presence known to these pagan men. The crew of the ship can pray to their own gods all they want, but those gods will not answer. Their gods are deaf and dumb. Their sailor, those sailors do not know the God of creation. They do not know him because they don't know his word. Jonah should not have been asleep. Jonah should have been there to point out to these heathens that his God, the creator of heaven and earth, and he only is in control of all things. But Jonah is not prepared to do that. He doesn't want to bother with that. He is content to stay in his own corner of the ship. And so the heathens pray while the prophet of the Lord is asleep. But these prayers of the crew do not make the storm stop. Of course not. They even, overthrow, they even th throw overboard any unnecessary baggage. And slowly but surely they realize they're fighting a losing battle. Jonah should have been the one to tell them to whom they should pray. But Jonah acted as if his God doesn't exist. Jonah even goes so far as to hide his identity. Even when he is abruptly awakened by the captain of the, of the ship, Jonah still does not tell them who he is. Aren't we a lot like Jonah? How often does it not happen that we do not speak up when we should? It can even happen that the people with whom we come into daily contact are barely aware that we're Christians. And yet, brothers and sisters, we are the only ones who have the answers to the questions this world is asking. We have God's word. We know where history is headed, don't we? We know why the plagues and we know why natural disasters and viral pandemics occur. Jonah knew what was going on. He knew who was sending that wind. He knew that God was behind it all. And he knew once he was awake that God was angry. Angry at him because he is abrogating his responsibility as a messenger from God. But Jonah still keeps quiet. While the sailors do everything they know in order to calm the sea. In the end, they cast lots to see who or what may be at the root of the problem. And that's the way of the world. When unbelievers are confused about what's happening around them, they will clutch at straws and even rely on chance in order to make some sense out of their world. 
It's also the way it is today. The world tries to make sense out of things by going to the astrologers and psychics. The world is looking for answers. Marriages fall apart. Financial empires crumble. The youth rebel. COVID-19 wreaks havoc. Homes are destroyed by hurricanes and earthquakes. And the people wonder aloud, why is this happening to me? They wonder why such calamities occur. Well, we do not have to look too far, do we? For the Lord God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, he is doing that. He gives, but he also takes away. He does not want us to put our hopes on lottery tickets or on the stars or on the psychics or astrologers or on the stock markets, or on our bank accounts, or on other people. What does God want from you and from me? Well, he wants us at all times to go to him. He wants us to rely on him. And he wants every man and every woman to repent from their sins. And we are the ones who are supposed to point these things out to the world. Listen to God. See what he is doing. Brothers and sisters, we must be an example to this world. If anyone is looking for answers, if we want to make some sense out of our lives, then we must must turn to the only one who has the answers. And that's God. Only God can allay our fears. Only he can still the ill winds that life brings us. Only he can heal us. Only he can bring peace. Everyone has to learn that his life is totally in the hands of God. And if things go wrong in our lives, then we must examine ourselves and lead lives of repentance and put our lives in his hands. And only then can you be at peace, brothers and sisters. For some people, it takes a long time to bring them to their knees if they allow that to happen at all. A lot has to happen before they submit to God's will. That's certainly true of Jonah. And God uses the word in order to bring that about. The sailors cast their lots. They rely on chance. But the Lord uses the lot to bring about the truth. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 33, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And the lot falls on Jonah. And now Jonah can no longer remain quiet. He's forced to identify himself. Jonah knew the answer all along. He knew that he was the cause of all the fuss. But he was hoping to remain incognito. This is very humiliating. The sailors, the world have to point to Jonah. The church as the cause of the storm. The world has to wake up the church. Don't think that. That happens only at that time. Also today it happens that the world has to wake up the church from their spiritual slumber at times. 
An unbeliever is amazed when he sees us in trouble and we are full of anxiety and despair. Don't you have a God that you believe in? They ask. The world knows who we claim to be. But often we don't, they don't see that in the way that we conduct ourselves, do they? They see us just as fearful in our actions as the world. And they think, I thought that they believed in God who would rescue them. How come they're so afraid? How come they're so frantic? Brothers and sisters, the church that is you and I, we are put on earth to hand out the riches of the gospel. And that's an awesome yet beautiful responsibility. As soon as Jonah identifies himself, there is a remarkable change in the sailors. Whereas at first, when the sailors encountered the storm, the storm we are told that they were afraid, now the text says that they are exceedingly afraid. They're terrified. At first they were afraid only because the ship was rocking. Now they are afraid not because of the wind, but because of the power behind the wind. They wake up to the fact that there is a living God out there. He is the God of creation. And they realize that they cannot stand up to such a power. Oh, sure, they try. They try to row against the wind, but they don't succeed, do they? For no one can stand up to the power of God. And that is the message that Jonah should have been giving them in the first place. You cannot stand up to the power of God, the true God, the only God. And so let me ask you, brothers and sisters, what about the storms in your life? When they come, do you then try to row against the wind in your own strength? Well, you won't get anywhere. You will never make it too sure. Give God the reins in your life. Don't think that you can save yourself by your own strength. That's what the world thinks. They look to the doctors, to the psychologists, to money to help them through life. These are all very weak helpers. In the end, that can't help you at all. And so do not just confess him with your lips. Put your trust in him. When the sailors began to question him, Jonah did nothing more than just speak about his God. Because at that time, he was only serving him outwardly. That's clear from the way he answers the sailors. He just says, matter-of-factly, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, before, he used the word for God, Elohim, which was used also by the heathens for their God. But now, Jonah does use God's covenant name, Yahweh. Jonah is forced to admit in this way that the God who made a covenant with him and with the rest of Israel, that he is the one who is doing this. Jonah has to admit at this point that not only his life, but also the lives of the heathen sailors are in the hands of that God who made heaven and earth, 
and all that is in them. That is the message that not only the heathens have to receive, but also Israel. Jonah knows that the game is up. The storm is worsening. He can no longer remain on board. He must sacrifice himself and allow himself to be thrown into the raging sea. We come to the third point. But brothers and sisters, it's doubtful that Jonah does so because he loves these sailors. No, those sailors themselves actually show more love than he did. In that respect, the sailors are actually an example to him. Sometimes the world is an example to us too. These sailors do everything humanly possible to keep him alive. Mind you, it's a superficial love that they have. It's a horizontal love. For even after they are told that the only solution is to throw Jonah overboard, they still try to see if they can spare his life. Only once it is absolutely clear to them that they have no other choice do they throw him overboard. And Jonah allows himself to be thrown overboard because he has no other choice. He's going to die anyway. However, at this point, Jonah still hadn't learned his lesson. He's a tough nut to crack. More has to happen for him to come to his senses. He has a lot more to learn. And that's often the way the Lord works, especially with stubborn people. He brings us to a crisis in our lives where we are put before a clear choice. God or the world? The truth or the lie? Your eternal riches or your perishable earthly riches? Life or death? What will it be, brother, sister? That's the point to which the Lord God wants to bring all of us. He wants us He wants to bring us to that point in our lives where we are willing to let go of everything that is earthly, even our life. Sometimes the Lord strips us naked so that nothing in this life weighs us down anymore, so that we can go to him with empty hands, as we have to do all the time. And only once we do that, brothers and sisters, can we really enjoy this life, this earthly life. For then we are free from the tyranny of possessions. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 33, in reference to the wife of Lot, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. God sends us the storms in our lives so that we may realize that we must go to him. That only he can save us. And once you do that, you can be at peace. And then the storms around us are nothing more than tempests in a teapot. For then you realize that whatever is wrong with your own life is not due to everybody else, but it is due to yourself in the first place. Sin came into the world because of me, because of all of us. We all sinned. We all stand condemned before him. And that is why God sent his son to save us from our sins. Now, isn't that something to be thankful for? Something to be joyful for? Isn't that something that you would want to share? 
God forced Jonah to be humbled, humiliated in front of the sailors. At that point, they had to acknowledge that the God of Jonah is the one who is in control of all things. Now, it doesn't say whether or not these sailors came to true repentance. True, they sacrificed to the Lord and made vows. But did they do that only because they saw <clears throat> the power of God? Did they truly repent from their sins? We don't know. God knows. But we do know about ourselves, don't we? We know what lives inside of us. And let me ask you, are you full of joy because God has saved you? And do you want to share that joyful knowledge? Are you willing to humble yourself before God and your fellow man and be an instrument in God's hand to bring them to Christ? What a joy to be able to do that. Or do you need an ill wind to wake you up from your slumber? Do you want to stay within your comfortable cocoon where you think nobody and nothing can harm you? Why were you and I created? Do you know? Yeah, you know. To glorify God in all our works and deeds. That is our purpose in life. Jonah still had to learn that. And that's why God has him swallowed up by a great fish to bring him to his senses. For God will have his greatness proclaimed in one way or the other, no matter what, and he will use anybody, even a guy like Jonah. He'll use you and me too. But you must also be willing to be used. Are you? Amen.